Chapter sixteen of the Wolf Hunters. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Wolf Hunters by James Oliver Curwood. Chapter sixteen The Surprise at the Post. From the moment that the adventurers turned their backs upon the Wunga country, Mukoki was in command. With the storm in their favour, everything else now depended upon the craft of the old pathfinder. There was neither moon nor wind to guide them, and even Wabi felt that he was not competent to strike a straight trail in a strange country and a night storm. But Mukoki, still a savage in the ways of the wilderness, seemed possessed of that mysterious sixth sense which is known as the sense of orientation, that almost supernatural instinct which guides the carrier pigeon as straight as a die to its home hundreds of miles away again and again during that thrilling night's flight wabi or rod would ask the indian where wabinosh house lay and he would point out its direction to them without hesitation and each time it seemed to the city youth that he pointed a different way and it proved to him how easy it was to become hopelessly lost in the wilderness not until midnight did they pause to rest they had travelled slowly but steadily and wabi figured that they had covered fifteen miles five miles behind them their trail was completely obliterated by the falling snow morning would betray to the woongas no sign of the direction taken by the fugitives they will believe that we have struck directly westward for the post said wabi to-morrow night we'll be fifty miles apart during this stop a small fire was built behind a fallen log and the hunters refreshed themselves with a pot of strong coffee and what little remained of the rabbit and biscuits the march was then resumed it seemed to rod that they had climbed an interminable number of ridges and had picked their way through an interminable number of swampy bottoms between them and he even more than mukoki was relieved when they struck the easier travelling of open plains in fact mukoki seemed scarcely to give a thought to his wound and roderick was almost ready to drop in his tracks by the time a halt was called an hour before dawn the old warrior was confident that they were now well out of danger and a rousing campfire was built in the shelter of a thick growth of spruce spruce partridge in mornin' affirmed mukoki plenty here for breakfast how do you know asked rod whose hunger was ravenous fine thick spruce all in shelter of dip explained the indian birds winter here wabi had unpacked the furs and the larger of these including six lynx and three especially fine wolf skins he divided into three piles they'll make mighty comfortable beds if you keep close enough to the fire he explained get a few spruce boughs rod and cover them over with one of the wolf skins the two lynx pelts will make the warmest blankets you ever had rod quickly availed himself of this idea and with half an hour he was sleeping soundly mukoki and wabigoon more inured to the hardships of the wilderness took only brief snatches of slumber one or both awakening now and then to replenish the fire as soon as it was light enough the two indians went quietly out into the spruce with their guns and their shots a little later awakened rod when they returned they brought three partridges with them there are dozens of them among the spruce said wabi but just now we do not want to shoot any oftener than is absolutely necessary have you noticed our last night's trail rod rubbed his eyes thus confessing that as yet he had not been out from between his furs well if you go out there in the open for a hundred yards you won't find it finished his comrade the snow has covered it completely 
although they lacked everything but meat this breakfast in the spruce thicket was one of the happiest of the entire trip and when the three hunters were done each had eaten of his partridge until only the bones were left there was now little cause for fear for it was still snowing and their enemies were twenty-five miles to the north of them this fact did not deter the adventurers from securing an early start however and they travelled southward through the storm until noon when they built a camp of spruce and made preparations to rest until the following day we must be somewhere near the kenogami trail wabi remarked to mukoki we may have passed it no pass it replied mukoki she off there he pointed to the south you see the kenogami trail is a sled trail leading from the little town of nipigon on the railroad to kenogami house which is a hudson bay post at the upper end of long lake explained wabi to his white companion the factor of kenogami is a great friend of ours and we have visited back and forth often but i've been over the kenogami trail only once mukoki has travelled it many times several rabbits were killed before dinner no other hunting was done during the afternoon most of which was passed in sleep by the exhausted adventurers when rod awoke he found that it had stopped snowing and was nearly dark mukoki's wound was beginning to trouble him again and it was decided that at least a part of the next day should be passed in camp and that both rod and wabigoon should make an effort to kill some animal that would furnish them with the proper kind of oil to dress it with the fat of almost any species of animal except mink or rabbit being valuable for this purpose with dawn the two started out while mukoki much against his will was induced to remain in camp a short distance away the hunters separated rod striking to the eastward and wabi into the south for an hour roderick continued without seeing game though there were plenty of signs of deer and caribou about him at last he determined to strike for a ridge a mile to the south from the top of which he was more likely to get a shot than in the thick growth of the plains he had not traversed more than a half of the distance when much to his surprise he came upon a well-beaten trail running slightly diagonally with his own almost due north two dog teams had passed since yesterday's storm and on either side of the sleds were the snowshoe trails of men rod saw that there were three of these and at least a dozen dogs in the two teams it at once occurred to him that this was the kenogami trail and impelled by nothing more than curiosity he began to follow it half a mile farther on he found where the party had stopped to cook a meal the remains of their campfire lay beside a huge log which was partly burned away and about it were scattered bones and bits of bread but what most attracted rod's attention were other tracks which joined those of the three people on snowshoes he was sure that these tracks had been made by women for the footprints made by one of them were unusually small close to the log he found a single impression in the snow that caused his heart to give a sudden unexpected thump within him in this spot the snow had been packed by one of the snowshoes and in this comparatively hard surface the footprint was clearly defined it had been made by a moccasin rod knew that and the moccasin wore a slight heel he remembered now that thrilling day in the forest near wabinosh house when he had stopped to look at minnetaki's footprints in the soft earth through which she had been driven by her woonga abductors and he remembered too that she was the only person at the post who wore heels on her moccasins it was a queer coincidence could minnetaki have been here had she made that footprint in the snow impossible declared the young hunter's better sense 
and yet his blood ran a little faster as he touched the delicate impression with his bare fingers it reminded him of minnetaki anyway her foot would have made just such a trail and he wondered if the girl who had stepped there was as pretty as she he followed now a little faster than before and ten minutes later he came to where a dozen snowshoe trails had come in from the north and had joined the three after meeting the two parties had evidently joined forces and had departed over the trail made by those who had appeared from the direction of the post friends from kanagami house came down to meet them mused rod and as he turned back in the direction of the camp he formed a picture of that meeting in the heart of the wilderness of the glad embraces of husband and wife and the joy of the pretty girl with the tiny feet as she kissed her father and perhaps her big brother for no girl could possess feet just like minnetaki's and not be pretty he found that wabi had preceded him when he returned the young indian had shot a small doe and that noon witnessed a feast in camp for his lack of luck rod had his story to tell of the people on the trail the passing of this party formed the chief topic of conversation during the rest of the day for after weeks of isolation in the wilderness even this momentary nearness of living civilized men and women was a great event to them but there was one fact which rod dwelt but slightly upon he did not emphasize the similarity of the pity footprint that made by minnetaki's moccasin for he knew that a betrayal of his knowledge and admiration of the indian maiden's feet would furnish wabi with fun-making ammunition for a week he did say however that the footprint in the snow struck him as being just about the size that minnetaki would make all that day and night the hunters remained in camp sleeping eating and taking care of mukoki's wound but the next morning saw them ready for their homeward journey with the coming of dawn they struck due westward now satisfied that they were well beyond the range of the outlaw woongas as the boys talked over their adventure on the long journey back toward the post wabi thought with regret of the moose head which he had left buried in the indian ice-box and even wished for a moment to go home by the northern trail despite the danger from the hostile woongas in order to recover the valuable antlers but mukoki shook his head woonga make good fight what for go again into wolf trap and so they reluctantly gave up the notion of carrying the big head of the bull moose back to the post a little before noon of the second day they saw lake nipigon from the top of a hill columbus when he first stepped upon the shore of his newly discovered land was not a whit happier than roderick drew when that joyous youth running out upon the snow-covered ice attempted to turn a somersault with his snowshoes on just over there thought rod just over there a hundred miles or so is minnetaki and the post happy visions filled his mind all that afternoon as they travelled across the foot of the lake three weeks more and he would see his mother and home and wabi was going with him he seemed tireless his spirits were never exhausted he laughed whistled even attempted to sing he wondered if minnetaki would be very glad to see him he knew that she would be glad but how glad two days more were spent in circling the lower end of the lake then their trail turned northward and on the second evening after this as the cold red sun was sinking in all that heartless glory of the great north day end they came out upon a forest-clad ridge and looked down upon the house of wabinosh as they looked and as the burning disk of the sun falling down and down behind forest mountain and plain bade its last adieu to the land of the wild there came to them strangely clear and beautiful 
the notes of a bugle and wabi listening grew rigid with wonder as the last notes died away the cheers that had been close to his lips gave way to the question what does that mean a bugle said rod as he spoke there came to their ears the heavy reverberating boom of a big gun if i'm not mistaken he added that is a sunset salute i didn't know you had soldiers at the post we haven't replied the indian youth by george what do you suppose it means he hurried down the ridge the others close behind him fifteen minutes later they trailed out into the open near the post a strange change had occurred since rod and his companions had last seen wabinosh house in the open half a dozen rude log shelters had been erected and about these were scores of soldiers in the uniform of his majesty the king of england shouts of greeting died on the hunter's lips they hastened to the dwelling of the factor and while wabi rushed in to meet his mother and father rod cut across to the company's store he had often found minnetaki there but his present hope was shattered and after looking in he turned back to the house by the time he had reached the steps a second time the princess mother with wabi close behind her came out to welcome him wabi's face was flushed with excitement his eyes sparkled rod what do you think he exclaimed after his mother had gone back to see the preparation of their supper the government has declared war on the woongas and has sent up a company of regulars to wipe em out they have been murdering and robbing as never before during the last two months the regulars start after them to-morrow he was breathing hard and excitedly can't you stay and join in the campaign he pleaded i can't replied rod i can't wabi i've got to go home you know that and you're going with me the regulars can get along without you go back to detroit with me and get your mother to let minnetaki go with us not now rod said the indian youth taking his friend's hand i won't be able to go now nor minnetaki either they have been having such desperate times here that father has sent her away he wanted mother to go but she wouldn't sent minnetaki away gasped rod yes she started for kenegami house four days ago in company with an indian woman and three guides that was undoubtedly their trail you found and the footprint was hers laughed wabi putting an arm affectionately around his chum's shoulders won't you stay rod it is impossible he went to his old room and until supper-time sat alone in silent dejection two great disappointments had fallen upon him wabi could not go home with him and he had missed minnetaki the young girl had left a note in her mother's care for him and he read it again and again she had written it believing that she would return to wabinosh house before the hunters but at the end she had added a paragraph in which she said that if she did not do this rod must make the post a second visit very soon and bring his mother with him at supper the princess mother several times pressed minnetaki's invitation upon the young hunter she read to him parts of certain letters which she had received from mrs drew during the winter and rod was overjoyed to find that his mother was not only in good health but that she had given her promise to visit wabinosh house the following summer wabi broke all table etiquette by giving vent to a warlike whoop of joy at this announcement and once more rod's spirits rose high above his temporary disappointments that night the furs were appraised and purchased by the factor for his company and rod's share including his third of the gold was nearly seven hundred dollars the next morning the bi-monthly sled party was leaving for civilization 
and he prepared to go with it after writing a long letter to minnetaki which was to be carried to her by the faithful mukoki most of that night wabi and his friends sat up and talked and made plans it was believed that the campaign against the woongas would be a short and decisive one by spring all trouble would be over and you'll come back as soon as you can pleaded wabi for the hundredth time you'll come back by the time the ice breaks up if i am alive pledged the city youth and you'll bring your mother she has promised and then for the gold for the gold wabi held out his hand and the two gripped heartily and minnetaki will be here then i swear it said the indian youth laughing rod blushed and that night alone he slipped quietly out into the still white night and he looked longingly far into the southeast where he had found the footprint in the snow and he turned to the north and the east and the west and lastly to the south and his eyes seemed to travel through the distance of a thousand miles to where a home and a mother lay sleeping in a great city and as he turned back to the house of wabinosh where all the lights were out he spoke softly to himself it's home tomorrow and then he added but you bet i'll be back by the time the ice breaks up end of chapter 16 end of the wolf hunters by james oliver kerwood